Well, good morning again, everybody. Are you glad to be here today? Well, we are glad that you're here. Not only want to welcome everybody who's in the room, but also want to welcome all those who are watching online. Can we give it up and welcome our online family and our online community this morning? Glad that you're with us today as well. And as Lena just mentioned, um, some of the kind of generosity portion, I want to give you a quick heads up. You know, over the last week and a half now, really uh, just since last weekend, of course, Haiti has been hit super hard and devastated by, by an earthquake, but also some ongoing kind of hurricane efforts that are going on there. And one of our partners, Convoy of Hope, who runs a fantastic, it's a fantastic organization. And we love them dearly. I have some dear friends who work directly with them, but they, they are so good at disaster relief efforts. And really the day after the hurricane hit, they were sending a barge. Now they've actually sent several barges. Like, like who has barges to send to places? But they do full of supplies to help meet some of the real practical needs in that country. And so they had boots on the ground within 24 hours of that earthquake hitting. And I wanted to let you know, this is, we don't share these things on social media because we just think there's different spaces to share different things. But in a family setting like a Sunday morning, I wanted to make you aware that because of your continued generosity, we gave $10,000 towards Convoy of Hope in those efforts. But even more so, what we wanted to make you aware of is that we've now created an ongoing, it's not going to go away. It's not just for this one particular disaster relief effort. Because how many know it's not if a disaster will hit, it's, it's when a disaster will hit. And we want to be able to quickly be able to give to different organizations. And so often you guys will reach out to us in different ways and ask how or who you can give to that's making a difference in other parts of the world when disasters are taking place. And so we've created a, a, a relief portion of our giving page on the website that at any point when a disaster comes up, if you want to give towards it, we'll always make you aware of what we're giving as a collective body. But if you want to give in up and like kind of above and beyond, you can do so through the website at any time. And then we'll make sure that all those funds go to it. In fact, we sent an email earlier this week and several of you gave, and so I think we've given an additional thousand dollars because of the, the continued generosity of some, some other individuals who just want to, wanted to kind of serve Haiti in that way. And we're right now actually identifying ways that we we can serve some of the challenges in Afghanistan, but there's some real challenges there for, you know, as you can imagine, and we want to ensure that the funds get to the appropriate places, and so there's some real issues there, but, but we've got some friends who are, who are, who are kind of helping us out, so more, I'll update you guys more on that once I, once I learn it, but also, if, you, if you're not a part of our weekly, our weekly email, at the bottom of our website, to kind of stay up to date on some of the family things that are going on as a church, at the bottom of our website, there's a, a link, a button that says weekly email, weekly newsletter, something like that. And just click on that. And then we, don't, we're not, we do not bombard you with emails. It's one a week. And it's just kind of the update of what's going on in that week. And it's a really great and easy way for you to stay updated. Cool? Well, hey, we're in week number four. And this is the last message, the last talk of our series, Prayer for Normal People. Everybody say normal people. This is for you. This is for me. This series has been for us. In fact, if you have been able to lean in over the last few weeks, maybe you've been on vacation or, or for whatever reason you've not been able to be present, I would really encourage you to, to lean in and listen to the podcast or, the, or watch, the, watch the teaching at some point because we've been kind of progressively growing in what we are identifying as a prayer culture as a church. That's really been the heart of this series. And when I say prayer culture, if you're a little bit newer to ethos, maybe you're like, what's a prayer culture? In essence, we want to be a people who prays first and responds second. We want to be a people who prays first and then does something. Like, we want to be doers, but we also want to come in line and be first prayers. We want to pray first and then gossip never, right? But like, we want to pray 
So we, we want to establish kind of this prayer first culture. That's been the heart of our series as we've been leaning into the words and the teachings of Jesus as his disciples asked Jesus, the young followers of Jesus, said, hey Jesus, would you teach us how to, how to pray? And over the course of the last few weeks as we've been identifying how we can pray, so many of you have asked me for, hey Jordan, are there any additional resources, ways in which I can kind of learn even more about prayer? So I want to just give a few to you that have really benefited me, if this is okay, and, and I've given these to several of you already, but if, if maybe you're like, hey, I want to kind of study prayer a bit further, here's some really great resources. The first one is a really easy read. We've quoted this several times throughout the series, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, then God on Mute, on Mute by Pete Gregg. This is a fantastic book. It's not, it's not widely known, but Pete Gregg is the founder of 24, the 24-7 prayer movement, which is, he's got so many great resources on prayer, and this one is certainly near the top of that list. In fact, Jensen, this is the one that I told you about a couple weeks ago. This, this one really talks in even greater detail about unanswered prayer that we hit on last week, and just a great, great resource. Then Hearing God by Dallas Willard. This is probably one of the top five most transformational books that I've ever read. Sometimes people say, like, what's the best book you've ever read? Like, the Bible. Like, oh, you're supposed to say that. No, like, like truly, like the Bible's number one. And then, but, but Dallas Willard's Hearing God, man, it's, it's like somewhere between two to five. It's a fantastic book. Then The Lord's Prayer by William Barclay. Barclay is my favorite New Testament scholar. He's kind of my go-to guy. Uh, but The Lord's Prayer is a bit more theological, very cumbersome, a little bit laborious. But if you really want to kind of study, study out some things on prayer, that's a great one. Then lastly, for husbands and wives, this is a great resource right here. Like, I can't recommend this enough. 40 Days of Prayer for Your Husband, 40 Days of Prayer for Your Wife. Selena and Ryan Frederick, they've got a lot of resources for couples, but specifically, I think that this is kind of one of the more beneficial ones at the top of the list. And so I would really encourage you to go on Amazon and get these. You can go directly to their website and order them as well. But the point being, it's a 40-day prayer journey for your for your spouse. And so it's a great resource. But over the last few weeks, in the first week of our series, we, we talked through this PRAY acronym, P-R-A-Y, the P being pause, that when we step into a place of prayer, how do we begin? And we said to start to pray, we got to first stop. Like drown out some of the distractions around us, slow down, and then let us to the R, which is to remember, like reflect for a moment on who we're praying to. Like Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 9, the beginning of this Lord's Prayer, this historical foundational prayer that Jesus used to teach his people how to pray, he said, hey, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And we spoke in week number two, which I think may be one of the more important teachings on the subject of prayer, at least for, for our community here at Ethos, which is to simply remember who you're praying to. Because the bigger you realize that God is, the more that you grow in your understanding of how great his love is for you, honestly, the shorter your prayers will become. We even said at one point, in fact, I kind of prided myself on this. Let me just be, show my true colors here. I was sitting, I have a counselor. Your, your pastor has a therapy, a therapist. Yes, I do. I'll let it all out right here. Like, like I think counseling and therapy, it's, it's so important. Like, I love going to Tammy Smith, her husband, pastors Vista Church in Worthington, Mike Smith. She's fantastic. And I was talking to her about some of what we're teaching on. I told Tammy, I said, I, I've discovered that the more I trust God, the shorter my prayers are. And the less I trust God, the more I just babble on and on and on. 
And she sat back in her chair, in her little counseling chair, and she's like, oh, and she's kind of dramatic a little bit. And she's actually speaking here in October on our series on emotional health. I can't wait to introduce her to you guys. But she comes, she's like, oh, Jordan. I was like, was that good, Tammy? She's like, that was so good. So I'm writing that one down. I was like, well, you bet. My counselor is using my stuff. And, <laughs> but, but this is what it means to remember who God is because it really, it puts faith into our prayers. And last week we talked about, A, asking God. Like God actually not only teaches us how to ask him, but he encourages us to ask him. In fact, on four occasions, this short little prayer called the Lord's Prayer, Jesus on four occasions makes a request of God. He says, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. And so asking God's a good thing. And so many of us have kind of fall into the trap of religiosity, which is to believe that we can't ask God for much. But no, that's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. God wants us to ask him for some big, bold, audacious things. And so you can lean into last week to kind of grow maybe in some understanding of, of, of the A there. And then this week, we want to talk about the why, which is to yield, to yield from God. And more specifically, I want to, I want to talk about how to hear God speak, how to yield to the voice of God in our lives. Because prayer, prayer really is intended to lead us into a relationship with God in the healthiest of relationships. Come on, church. They're a dialogue, not a monologue. Like, like the worst friendships are the friendships where like the other person talks the whole time, right? Like, but when there's, when there's kind of this mutual respect and honor and, and it's, there's a healthy, and that's what prayer is intended to be for us. In fact, Dallas Willard from the book Hearing God that we referenced a moment ago, he, he was quoting a comedian, Lily Tomlin, when she said, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? Dallas Willard then says, such a response from ourselves or others to someone's claim to have heard from God is especially likely today because of the lack of specific teaching and pastoral guidance on such matters. And if you're, if you're maybe newer here, um, just, just hang with me for a moment, but, but I, I want to share with you what I think is just kind of a more of a pastoral message. And by that, it's simply, I'm hoping to kind of practically help us understand and recognize how often God is actually speaking to us in our lives. I want to share today from a, from a simple message instead of how to hear God speak. In fact, if you're a note taker, and even if you're not, I would probably encourage you to take notes only because I just think that usually in settings like this, there's usually just one thing that we just sense God saying to us and we write them down. We have a better, there's a higher likelihood that we're going to remember what God is speaking. But the title is, how do, how do we hear God speak? Like what, what does God's voice actually sound like in our lives? Because if you're anything like me, I've heard God, I've heard people say so many times in my life, God said, God spoke to me. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying. And oftentimes, it comes from maybe like, like come on, prayer for normal people. Sometimes it comes from abnormal people. You know what I mean? But, but a lot of times it comes from normal people. And, and I think like, how did you know it was God though? Like how, how, how can you be sure that it, wasn't, that it wasn't the beans and rice you ate the night before? You know what I mean? Like, how, how do we hear God speak? Last year, I was going hiking with my brother-in-law, Jordan. Yep. <laughs> Pray for us. It gets confusing in our family. But, 
But we, we were hiking, in, and there was one particular trail that we wanted to find, but it wasn't on our All Trails app. There's this app, some of you are familiar with it, and it's, it's a GPS for hiking trails. It's fantastic. It, it ensures that people like myself who don't know the difference between north and south don't get lost. And so, so, so we, couldn't find this, we couldn't find this trail, but we found it on, on Google. And so we're, we're like riding out like old school, 1982, riding out the directions to get to this trail, right? And it said that once we got to a certain place, about three miles into this one particular trail, we'd kind of hang a right, and 1.3 miles from there, we'd see a little opening, and that's going to then lead us about 0.7 miles later to the jump off trail. Woo, the jump off. How many of you know, though, that's a really bad name for a trail on the side of a mountain? Like, what you don't want to do when you're hiking a mountain is jump off, okay? And, but we, we try to find this trail. We get to the three-mile marker. We realize, okay, here's where we turn. We're tracking our distance now. We're going 1.3 miles. We're going off the beaten path, and we cannot find the opening to this trail. And I said to Jordan, man, I'm kind of tired. We've been hiking all day. My, back's, my, my pack's kind of getting a little bit heavy. Let's just, let's just turn around. Let's just go back and get something, to, get something to eat. And he's like, no, let's just go like a half a mile further. All right, man. So we go a half a mile further. Still, we cannot find the entrance to the jump off trail. He convinces me to go another half a mile further. At this point, I'm kind of getting frustrated. I'm getting a little weary. And I'm kind of just like, Jordan, like, can we just go back? He said, no, let's just try another half a mile further. My brother-in-law really loves trees and leaves. That's all that we're seeing at this point on the trail. And, and, and I said, man, can we just turn around? He said, okay, fine. We can turn around. Well, on our way back, we see, these, we see these two guys kind of going off the beaten path. And I said, hey. You wouldn't by chance happen to be going to the jump off, would you? And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we are. We said, can we follow you? They said, of course. So we kind of treated them as our guide of sorts. And sure enough, by the time we got to the jump off, I'm telling you, it was one of the most beautiful, scenic spots I've ever seen. It was, it was beautiful. But had we not had the guide of those two guys, we probably would have never experienced the jump off. I think God's voice can be likened to a GPS of sorts, can be likened to a guide of sorts. And if you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, thank God for GPS. You know what I mean? Like, we need God's voice in our lives because God's voice can spare us from a lot of heartache. God's voice will lead us to the places that he's intended and destined for us to go. God's voice, check this out, church, listen. God's voice will also lead you to places where he wants to teach you the things that he intended to teach you. See, God's voice doesn't always lead us to the easiest places either. Doesn't always lead us to the easiest trails either. But if we don't follow his voice, we still miss out on the lessons in the maturing process that God intended for us to experience. And so we need God's, we need God's voice. So we gotta understand exactly how God speaks to us because he does still speak. In fact, Jesus even said, in John 10, verse 27, he says, my sheep are my people. They listen to my voice, and I know them, and, and because they listen to my voice, they, they follow me. And here's what I think I've come to discover, that we don't necessarily have a hearing problem, per se. I think we have a recognition problem. Yeah. And by that, I simply mean we, we sense God's voice, and I think we even hear God's voice. We just don't recognize it. Say, so, Jordan, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? I, I'm telling you, I think... I think you actually hear God's voice more than you realize that you hear God's voice. You just, you're just not sure how to, how to recognize it. See, God's voice is, hear me, church, it's always a byproduct of a relationship with him. And the longer that you follow Jesus, and the longer that you commit your life to knowing Jesus, 
the more that that relationship begins to grow and the more his voice becomes all the more familiar to us. Let me begin by saying this. Soren Kierkegaard, he was a Dutch theologian in the 19th century. He said a man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking, but he became more and more quiet until in the end he, he realized that prayer was, was listening and there was a dialogue there. And so I want to just, I want to share, I want to share four things, four ways, and this is not an exhaustive list, not by any stretch of the imagination. I would be foolish to think that in the time that we have together on a Sunday morning, I could share with you all the ways in which God speaks because truthfully, I don't even know all the ways in which God speaks. I just know this, that the creator of everything we experience and the creator of you intended to create you in such a way to experience the fullness of him. And so I wanna share just what I think are the four most common ways that God speaks to us. And even before I do, hear me out, hear me out. I'm kind of basing what we're talking about today on two assumptions. The first one is that you wanna hear from God, and the second one is that you believe that God speaks. If you don't wanna hear from God, man, you are still so welcome here. And if you don't believe that God speaks, still, I mean it when I say it, man. I, I pray that we would always be a space and always be an incredibly inclusive community. At the same time, understand though that we are a church and that we are a people that believe that God wants the best for us and that he's still speaking to us. And so I'm basing everything I'm about to say kind of on those two assumptions as we move forward. And if you don't align with those assumptions, that's okay. And I would even invite, I would love to have a conversation with you, not to convince you. I don't think my job is to ever convince anybody of anything, but maybe just to share with you and you with me so that we can better maybe just grow in our understanding of one another. But here it is, four ways I believe that God speaks to us most commonly today. The first one is, you guessed it, through the Bible. Like God is speaking to us directly through his word. It's kind of comical in one sense. I was talking to somebody after first service, how often we will even say things like, I never hear God speak. And we're like, there's like, I don't know, in my fine print Bible, 1,116 pages of God speaking right here. And so we can't ever actually claim that God's not speaking because the more that we become familiar with God's word, the more we become familiar with God's voice. In fact, Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter four, verse four, he says, no, 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 the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like Jesus intended for us to understand that to really even survive in life, yeah, we need physical bread. And so, uh, and I think we need good physical bread. You know, like when you go to like the really good restaurants that give you the really good bread, that's neither here nor there. I'm just sort of hungry right now. But we also need some good spiritual bread, like some good spiritual nourishment. That comes from, it comes from the word of God. Catch this. The Bible is, it is the primary source, revelation, in the ultimate authority by which we weigh all other words. See, I believe, and we're not going to talk about it today because I don't think it's one of the more common ways to which God speaks, but I believe that God still speaks through prophetic words, through words of knowledge, through people even. I believe that God speaks even through dreams and visions, but I don't believe that that's the common way through which God speaks. I don't think that's a normal way through which God is speaking to us. However, I will say that if you ever receive something like that or sense God speaking to you through one of those things, always, always, always take those words and filter it through the word of God. Like every other word from God must be filtered through the word of God, and if it doesn't, it should have no place. It shouldn't be able to get into the door of our life. 
In fact, I'm looking across right now, there are a lot of young women in second service right now. Like there's actually, there's like rows of them. And I don't know how many of you are dating anybody, but let me just give you a little bit of advice. And dads, I'm gonna need you to help back me up right here, okay? Like if you are dating somebody, one of the first questions you should ask them, let me pass to you for just a moment, is what's your Bible reading look like? And if that individual says, ah, I don't know. Like I kind of open up the YouVersion Bible app and I take that first scripture, I post it on Instagram and I just, woo, God spoke to me through Philippians 4.19, you know? <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, somebody. Like, yeah, I know that's good, but hear me, hear me, hear me. You want a man who knows the voice of God. And the more that we familiarize ourselves with the word of God, we become familiar with the voice of God because God's word and God's voice are always in perfect alignment with each other. He never contradicts himself. And so we don't just learn from the Bible. We listen to the Bible because God is speaking to us through the Bible. It's not just a book to increase in knowledge about God. And it is that. It is that. It really is. But it's also a book intended to be alive and active and readily available for us to hear the voice of God in our lives. See, while learning about God from the Bible requires study, and that's a good thing, listening to God through the Bible requires prayerful meditation. Let me illustrate it like this. Imagine if you are reading your Bible, whenever it is that you read your Bible, and you, you come across John 3.16, the, the scripture that Tim Tebow wrote. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Come on, that was, that was awesome. I, I literally used to have, I was a youth pastor at the time when Tim Tebow was, at, was with the Florida Gators, and I literally used to have students who would say, so Tim Tebow wrote that. Like he wrote, no, he didn't, he didn't write, Jesus said that. Tim Tebow just, he just, it's a good thing, okay? So, but, but imagine if you're reading that, right? You open it, and, and you're reading not just to study the word, but you're reading to listen to the voice of God through his word. And you say, for God so loved the world. And just for a moment, rather than kind of moving on to verse 17 or 18 or reflecting back on verse 15, you just kind of pause there. You say, you know what, God, I'm not going to be concerned with just getting through my Bible reading today. I'm going to be concerned with listening to you in my Bible reading today. And you key on on one word. For God so loved. He didn't just love, he so loved. And you begin to imagine for a moment that the Apostle John, who wrote down John 3, 16, is recording the words of Jesus some 2,000 years ago. And he, he maybe was writing that down, and that word so kind of popped out to him. And so he, he circles it, and he underlines it, and you begin to reflect on the fact that even the great Apostle John was, was being moved by the words of Jesus in that moment. And then you begin to think, man, he, he so loved me. And you kind of put your name into it, and you personalize it, that God so loved Jordan that he, that he gave his one and only son. So God so loved Sam that he gave. Like, what, what that, and we, we begin to personalize the scriptures in that way. And then you begin to think, for God so loved the world. Like, in the events of going on all around the world, kind of begin to enumerate or enumerate within your mind. You start to pray for Afghanistan and Haiti and Lebanon and China and North Korea and even in our own country. And you start to pray and you feel moved in that way. And then, and then somebody who's been going through a difficult season, their, their name comes to your mind. Their face comes to your mind. That's the Spirit of God revealing and speaking to you in that moment. And next thing you know, you say, man, for God so loved Maddie. And I pray for Maddie right now. 
in the season of life that she's in and the situations that she's experiencing. God, would you show her your great love on this day? Then maybe you even send them a text. Did you know that any time that you have an encouraging word about somebody, I, I'm under the strong conviction that that is the spirit of God speaking to you and through you, and you want to text that person, call that person, grab coffee with that individual, and share that encouragement with them. Like God wants, he's speaking to you so much, we just oftentimes don't recognize it. Maybe even as you're reading John 3, 16, you begin to think about the neighbor that you don't even like, who has been mowing on your side of the yard, and you're like, the property line is six feet that way, dude. God, you love him. I don't love him, but you love him, and I pray for them right now, too. Like, we... We begin to listen to God through his word. In other words, we could say it like this. We hear God more clearly when we stop reading the Bible and start praying the Bible. And so we can hear the voice of God through his word. The second way in which I believe that God speaks to us, one of the more common ways, is through counsel and common sense. Now, I love this one because I think that, I think it's easy in the church world today to just skip right by this. But I think it's no less spiritual to seek godly wisdom than to receive a supernatural dream or an angelic visitation. In fact, I think it may even be more mature of us to seek godly wisdom than to require some miracle from God in order for us to believe that God is speaking to us. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, Solomon writes that the way of the fools seems right to them, seems good to them. But the wise... They listen to advice. Even if they think they got it figured out, even if they think they know what the answer is to the situation that they're going up against, they, they lean in and they listen to the advice of people who have gone before them. I can't tell you, and, and I know you, you can relate with this. I know you can. The number of people who are waiting for a supernatural word from God. And I sit down with them, I'll grab coffee with them, and, and I used to grab the best coffee ever at Olentangy River Brewing Company, which is also a bar and a coffee house. It's weird when I tell people to meet me at a bar, but anyway, that joke did not go over well. <laughs> people, are like, people are like, okay, we're leaving. We're not coming back next week, son. You know? Sorry, Brady, Nolan guys back there. They're like, my pastor goes to a bar. No, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Woo! Let's edit that out. Yep, let's edit that out. <laughs> I was going to make a comment about you, Hunter. Hunter used to be my favorite barista at ORBC across the street. It's not, this is, this is terrible. It's terrible. But I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with. And I'm telling you, it's like, it's like, it almost seems like, man, the decision's like right in front of you. Like we, we were having dinner with uh, some folks not too long ago, and it felt like the decision that they were trying to make was just right in front of them. And, 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 and I'm kind of talking, and Courtney's talking, and we're trying to just kind of speak some counsel and wisdom into, and it was just like, yeah, but we just, you know, like people just want it. They want this miraculous sign from God. And it's like, but man, like, like God, you know that God, come on somebody, like it's, God's speaking to us. We just don't always recognize it. In Acts chapter 15, I love this. There, there's a, it was called the Council at Jerusalem. Catch this right here. This, this is really big. It's called the Council at Jerusalem. There was this group of, of really godly, wise men, many of whom were apostles for Jesus, some of the first people to really kind of commit their lives to following Jesus. And, and they were getting together to make some really big decisions about the future of the church. This is about 2,000 years ago. In fact, the decision that they would conclude in Acts chapter 15 really would set the trajectory and the direction of the church for the next several millennium. In Acts chapter 15, 
verse 28, they introduce the decision that they made. But before they do, they introduce the context of why they made the decision. And look at this short description of what they say. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we make this really critical, earth-shattering Christian decision that the rest of the world is going to be following for thousands of years to become. You would think that when they came to the decision, John would have came out, the apostle John, he'd be like, hey, fellas, I saw 16 angels last night. In fact, the choir from heaven came down and told us, John, this is the decision you should make. You'd think that Paul would come out and he'd say, hey, fellas, God opened up the heavens. Clouds separated, sea was parted. And I'm telling you what, man, people were raised from the dead and they said, this is the decision you should make. But they didn't. They said, okay, after some prayer and counsel and conversation, it seemed good. It just seemed right to the Holy Spirit who lives within us and to us who was created in the image of God, designed to be able to hear from, from God. In fact, I kind of am convinced that most people, most people don't start out being able to hear from God. In fact, I think that's why in Ephesians chapter six, Paul writes in verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. There's one scripture in all of the New Testament that's written specifically to children. And it's about listening to their parents. Why? Because I don't think we all grow up starting out being able to hear from God. Like God expects us to learn from other people who have been on the road before us. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn when we're younger, but to understand that to, it, Peter even says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, that we are to submit ourselves to our elders, that there's a sense of counsel and a sense of God's voice that's being spoken to us through those who have gone and come before us. And so the, the third way in which God speaks, I'm going to go through these last two a little bit faster, but God speaks through personal reflection. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says that Mary, after having received from some, some pretty supernatural words from God, in all honesty, she began to kind of treasure these things and ponder them or reflect on them in her own heart. See, most, most people miss the voice of God, again, not because it's too strange, because it's too familiar. And I love what, I love what Mary did. She took what she took kind of what had happened and she just began to kind of reflect on it. Like, God, what, what are you saying to me here? What are, you, what are you showing me? What are you speaking to me? Like we gotta slow down. We gotta take time to reflect. I was reading a study and I saved the article. This is from several months ago, but it was, it was speaking of how cognitive psychologists and neuroscientists, in other words, people who are way smarter than me, they explain that doing activities that slow your mind down, like gardening or going for a walk, walking your dog, maybe mowing, whatever it is that for you, you kind of cause you to slow your mind down, that it actually switches our brain into a, into a kind of a, a default mode. It's a state in which we are better able to access our subconscious, connect disparate ideas, and solve nagging problems. In other words, whew, I love this, that God designed your body in such a way that when you slow down, you have a better chance of hearing from God. Remember, he created the world and he created you who lives in this world. And wouldn't it be just like our loving God to create us in such a way? We're just the way in which we are formed, the things in which we do, the nature in which we live, 
would be conducive to be able to hear from the voice of God? Like God's not trying. He's not trying to. He's not trying to make it hard. It's just become too familiar that we ourselves have kind of made it too hard. And so here's what I want to give you. I want to give you kind of just a litmus test. Like so, so when you get a random thought that you kind of slow down and you, your brain's kind of switching to default mode and, and you, you get a random thought, an impression, so to speak, and you're like, man, I think this might be from God. I want to give you a, a kind of a two-fold litmus test. This is what I do. I ask two questions as it relates to how do I know? Like, was that, again, was that just me, was that just me or was that really, really God? The first one is, uh, I say, is this like Jesus? Like, is, is what I heard, is it like Jesus? If I obey this idea, would the resulting action reflect the character and purpose of Christ? Is it the sort of thing that Jesus would do? And sometimes it's a really quick answer. Like, yeah, it actually seems exactly like what Jesus would do. I mean, I just feel like I'm supposed to, supposed to do this thing for that person, but it's going to require some serious sacrifice on my behalf. Ooh, I don't know. Is that God or is that just somebody else? Like, well, is, that, is it the sort of thing that Jesus would do? Yeah. It's, it's probably God then. Like, man, I, I feel like I'm supposed to kind of step out and start this. Or I'm so, I, in fact, I feel like I'm supposed to just stay and stay planted. It's kind of a difficult situation. not the job that I love. It's not the situation that I dreamed of, but I... I really do feel like there's people there who need to know who Jesus is. Well, then, I mean, is that what, you think that's what Jesus would do? Yeah. Then, then it's, pro- it's probably is, it's probably the voice of God then. The second thing I ask myself then is, what's the worst that could happen if I were to get this wrong? Like, okay, like, it seems like Jesus, but it's kind of a big deal. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Sometimes the answer to that question is like nothing. Like, sometimes I'm like, man, just try it. Just try it. Like, you, you ever think about the 12 disciples as they're in the boat when Jesus is walking on the water? This story, if you're kind of familiar to, to church, that Jesus is walking on the water. That's kind of crazy, I know. But, and the 12 young men are in this boat and they see Jesus from afar. And they don't believe that Jesus. They think it's a ghost. They're like, man, it's more likely to be a ghost than it is Jesus. Like, that's how, that's how little faith they had in that moment. And, they, and, and the, the, the one, Peter, says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, would you tell us to come walking to you? He tells to come to you, and Jesus says, sure, come, come, come. Which, by the way, you can't walk on water. That's impossible, right? Come on, we know that. But you can always walk on a word from God. Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on a word from God. Different message for a different day. But when you feel like God is telling you to do something that seems impossible, it's always possible when it's a word from God. But can you imagine that these other 11 guys who are in the boat, they see their buddy walking on water. They had to be thinking, shoot, I wish I would have asked that. But only one of them actually took a step out of the boat. Why? Because it's easier to stay in the comfort of what we're most familiar with. But most of the time, God is actually calling us to become uncomfortable. And I think that one of my callings as a pastor is actually to to encourage the discouraged and to make uncomfortable the comfortable. And I think that's really what Jesus is leading us to as well. And so you got to ask the question, though, like, does this really, like, what's the worst that could happen? Sometimes it's not a whole lot, not, not a, but sometimes it is. Sometimes you're like, well, man, it really could. It, could. it could mess a lot of things up. Okay, then go back to the second thing and ask, get some wise counsel in your life. And ask some people who have gone before you, hey, what do you think about this? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to feel this out, but, like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, seek some wise counsel. And fourth, last one right here. We're closing right here through doing. How does God speak? He speaks through you doing. What do you mean doing? Like, like you do, and then God speaks again. 
In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, the words of Jesus here. He said, blessed, blessed are, are those, blessed are who? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. That they don't just come to church, but they, they come to church and they do it. They don't just read their Bible, they read their Bible and they do it. They don't just hang out with their friends and talk about Jesus and encourage one another, but they leave that space and that place and that time and they, and they do it. Like blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those people. Like here, here's, here's the reality, there's a direct link to God between obedience and revelation from God. In fact, the, the English word obey comes from the Latin word obedire, which means to pay attention, give ear, listen to. In other words, listening then can be translated in the scriptures as to yield willingly to whatever God tells us to do. In fact, it's not until we have done the last thing that God asked of us that we're ready to receive the next thing that God has for us. That's why it's called a walk of faith, which is also really frustrating at times. Because, oh, come on, I pray for normal people. If you're anything like me, what do we want? We want God to lay out the whole plan before we're going to take a step. Why, why doesn't God lay out everything for us? Well, maybe the churchy, cliche, kind of trite understanding or word would be, well, because then that's not faith and we're walking by sight. But even more so, I think it's because it requires that we continue to lean into him to stay close to him. And more than anything in your life, God wants a relationship with you. Like he is, he is madly and passionately in love with you. He's all about you. Like you can't even fathom how much God is all about you. And so he won't give you all the details because then if you got all of them, you don't have a need for him anymore. And God is a, he describes himself even as, as, as Bethany so beautifully this morning was talking about the names of God during worship. Another name that God, another way in which God describes himself is a jealous God. He's jealous. What's he jealous for? You. Like he wants you. Jealous in the most, in the, in the goodest of ways, right? Like he wants you. So he won't give you anything, everything, until you do the next thing. And what's so interesting about God, come on, some of you who are more seasoned, come on, I need, I need you to agree with me. I need you to, I need you to kind of stir some of the young people right here. Like when you then step out and do the next thing that God tells you to do, that's when then God reveals to you the next thing that God tells you to do. How I wish God would have told me four years ago when we sold our house, packed up our family, and like, let's go start a church. <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly, like, I have a fairly high tolerance for risk. My wife does not. And so it was like, she was like, are you sure, babe? And I was like, I mean, like, describe sure. <laughs> I've said this before, and some people hate it. Some people hate that I say this. But I don't know if I've ever been more than 70% sure that God's spoken anything to me before. And so I think that's just faith. And it's like, Baby, I'm pretty sure we saw a lot of counsel, can I tell you? We saw a lot of counsel, because I was like, I need some older men and women to tell me that this seems right to them in the Holy Spirit too, you know what I mean? And, and, and eventually it was like, okay, okay. Now it just feels like we're disobeying God if we don't do this. And so eventually, eventually, I say I convinced my wife, but I think God, God convinced my wife, and then we went, but we didn't, we didn't have... We didn't have two steps ahead. We didn't have three steps ahead. People keep asking us, where are you going to start the church? We're like, we don't know. Wait, so you're going to start a church, but you don't know where? That's correct. So you're moving, you don't even have a location yet? That's correct. So you're giving up a pretty good job, and you work with like all of your best friends, and it's pretty cushioned at this point too, and you're going to go, and you don't have a salary, 
And you're going to kind of work too, Jeff? And you're going to do? That's correct. Yes. Yep. What's like the step after that step? That's correct too. That's the correct, that's the correct question. Yep. Yep. What's my point? My, my point is, no, like, we all have decisions that we need to make. And, and it's one step at a time. And then, and then, okay, God, we're next. And God rarely even tells you immediately. Which when you're younger, that's so frustrating. Like, I took the step, God. It's been like, it's been like four weeks. Gosh. Tell me again. Like, you know, like, suddenly like Napoleon Dynamite has become the pastor of Ethos Church, you know? <laughs> and we're like, and God's like, whoa, 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 be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 33, Psalm 37, 7. Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently and he will move. So we just, God, God speaks to us just simply through, through doing. And I want to close with this right here. Throughout all of history, all of history, you study church history, whenever God was about to do something big, like, like something like history book worthy type of a thing, he always first mobilized people to pray. He always first mobilized people to pray. We pray first, we do second. I just think God wants to do something big. I just do. Like more than ever in my life, I need, I need the voice of God. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to pray for the situations in our world. I don't know how, how you know, truth be told, for, I, don't know, I don't know how to lead our, I don't know how to lead our church into the next thing, but I do, I just sense this deep, resolute conviction that like it's all found in prayer. Like God said, man, the big thing that I want to do not just through ethos, but through all the churches of our region. There's a lot of great churches across. I'm telling you, man, we are blessed with some great churches. And God wants to do something great, but it's all going to happen through prayer. So let it be us. Let us be the people who ask boldly, pray audaciously, and pray without ceasing. Come on, we're going we're gonna to be people of prayer. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads for just a moment? As we...